Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Path to Glory, episode 40, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This episode was made possible by our patrons, thanks to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in, le- in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path to glory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listen and, of course, the ratings. This is Aman Kusro, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome, awesome. Um, it's an exciting week for us because this is the build-up towards the um, pre-order for the Starblood Stalkers coming out this weekend. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is probably the most requested warband in Underworld's history. <laughs> I know I've been looking forward to it for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody loves Lizardmen. So. Yes, I think it's really hard not to like dinosaurs. I think we're like designed to like them as children because like everyone gives a kid like a dinosaur toy at least if you're a millennial or older <laughs> yeah probably i feel like a lot of kids want to be like archaeologists yeah. yeah they do they do it's um it's unfortunate that a lot of people decide not to or maybe fortunate i don't know <laughs> how much archaeologists make but maybe they don't do it for the money idk yeah i don't know um but in the vein and spirit of dinosaurs coming to warhammer underworlds (laughs) i've got a joke for you Uh uh-oh i'm ready what do you call a t-rex who can't accept defeat (laughs) what a sore loser oh get it yep tyrannosaur yep i got it i got one i got one more oh okay why are dinosaurs never overweight why they're surrounded by scales oh my goodness <laughs> i don't know if that helps for me i have a scale do i need more <laughs> uh, i mean it might it might very um, nice okay i mean you know I, I think i got one or two more you know maybe <laughs> maybe for the peeps out there who are enjoying these i know max bernstein is getting a laugh um okay okay uh let's see okay how about this one Where did the dinosaur clown get a job? Where? At the carnivore. (laughs) Great. Great. Oh, my goodness. I dino what to tell you, man. These are hilarious. (laughs) Something something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Last one. Last one. Last one. Oh, my goodness. What do you call a dinosaur with an extensive vocabulary? A thesaurus. Oh, yep. Oh, you got to give me more than that, man. I feel like <laughs> I feel like these are good. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're dynamite. Oh, all right, all right. We're all done. Right. All right, we're, we're done. done. We're done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even uh, the. This is the, we're doing. This is the universal review. <laughs> uh, I know, but I mean, this is exciting. And as Jonathan mentioned in today's episode, we will be covering the universal review. Uh, for the cards that are coming with the Starblood Stalkers expansion set, set yeah. to release this weekend. Super excited. Warhammer community has given us a preview, showed us all the cards. Um, it also happens to be that Jonathan and I are uh, early reviewers, so we get some of these cards early. 
you know, as a, as a thank you, we like to give you our thoughts on them. So shout out to Games Workshop for hooking us up. And I guess we'll get started. So there are a total of, I believe, 30 cards, 10 objectives, 10 upgrades, and 10 gambits. So let's start with the first card from the brand new expansion full of awesome dinosaur puns. <laughs> uh, so we have Marshall Mage. This is a one glory surge. Score this immediately after a friendly wizard's range one or range two attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action. What do you think? Hmm. I think this one's interesting. I think it's cool for uh, curse breakers because it just means any wizard can uh, kill somebody with their melee weapon. Um, I think it'll be situationally pretty decent for other people as well. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, you know, you're right. This is great for Stormstar's Curse Breakers, um, especially Rastus and Amos, because they are aggressive yeah. fighters. Um, I guess Stormsire does have a melee attack, so he's a reliable backup as well. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that Warband, um, if you've probably got a wizard who tends to get up close and personal, then you might have room for this card. As of now, I don't think there are any wizards that you really want to, um, I guess reliably score this with i mean maybe when you know we, we saw in the crimson court that prince duval is a wizard we saw that headcracker is a wizard from the mad mob mm -hmm. so so maybe this might be better in the future but right now i think this is an excellent card uh for the curse breakers if you like killing stuff yeah it makes me want to take um like hand of sigmar as well and just kind of go ham with the melee stuff absolutely so it's cool yeah do you want to get the next one or do you want me to just keep yeah. running through these uh, we can we can rotate. So I'll, the next one is Hunger for Power. It's a one glory end phase hybrid. Score this in an end phase if one or more friendly wizards have two or more hunger counters or one or more surviving friendly wizards have two or more upgrades. There's a lot of stuff for wizards so far. <laughs> yeah, starting off strong for the Curse Breakers. I think this is another great card for Magical Warbands. Um, if you're looking for the first condition then maybe, you know, you're going to probably focus on a hunger-based mechanic. I think, again, Prince Duval comes to mind since we've all seen his card already. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I think that second condition is fantastic. If you've got a wizard you like to stack upgrades on, which obviously is Stormsire, um, or you're playing Lost Pages, this is probably an auto-include. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for one glory, it's not, like, incredible, but, um, you know, it's, it's probably pretty doable in those kind of builds. So I think it's a good, like, maybe like a B tier card to have in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, um, you know, taking like a curse breaker deck with this and show force is just like <laughs> super, super easy score. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, we're, we're, it's interesting cause you know, still at the beginning of the season and we're seeing, um, we haven't seen too much hunger stuff yet. Like primacy kind of started with a bang, but the hunger stuff is, you know, only starting to be really good. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's possible to score it the other way, I think, with some of the cards that we, we have so far. And um, I imagine there'll be some more soon. So, But the two upgrades is great. I mean, a lot of the time this card would say three upgrades. You know, we've seen cards like that before. So, Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think this is going to be a solid one if, if you play Curse Breakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't seen them in a while, so it's uh, interesting to see how they're able to handle the new stuff yeah yeah for sure um so next card then is the greater hunt 
This is one glory. Score this in the end phase if there are more surviving friendly hunters than enemy surviving hunters. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I think this one is okay. Uh, I was talking about this one um, to somebody in the discords, and I think it's good. Um, but only one glory. Like I think it'll see play, but it doesn't. It doesn't really excite me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think obviously this is an auto ins- auto score for Hawthorne, um, because everyone starts off as a hunter for him. Well, I think I don't think the little guys are hunters actually. Oh, um, I noticed that the last are the novelers an art. No, I think it's uh, I think just the just the cat. Is it just the cat? Yeah, everybody else is a quarry, but uh, but I mean Gr- right. Grimwatch are okay at this. They have yeah. uh, what five hunters, I think. They have four. a bunch of hunters. They have one, two, three, four, five hunters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so maybe it's good for Grimwatch. It could be, but it's only one glory. So it's like, you know, is it better than their other one glory options? Maybe. So maybe for sure. But, but also, you know, like think about it. Like you just start the game and you score glory. Right. Right. When you are able to score it, you, you will do so without really having to try to do anything. So that is nice. That's why I think we'll see it a little bit. Um, but I think it's generally better just to stack two glory cards if you can. So, uh, it's kind of competing against that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't believe, I guess I don't play Hrothgorn enough, but <laughs> I thought they were. I, so did I actually, until I was playing the last game and I was like, oh, they're not. There's cause, cause, um, what's the card that you, uh, uh, brought to bay it needs them to be a hunter. So you can, you, know, you can't score that with like an amber bone weapon on the little guys. <laughs> you could take the hunter weapons, I guess, but. Yeah, um, I guess I'll read the next one. It is Swelling Pride, One Glory. It's a Surge. Score this immediately if you would gain the Primacy Counter, but you already have the Primacy Counter. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think it's nice to finally see a way to reward yourself for continuously, air quotes, gain gaining the Primacy Token. I can't tell you how many times I've you know, said out loud and technically I'd gain the Primacy Token again. You know, And, and so this is really cool to see that. Um, I don't know if I see this slotting into decks immediately unless you're playing hard aggro. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe when we see more primacy support, because uh, technically we're only now halfway through the season, um, or when the Mad Mob come out, I think you might see this more. But for now, I'm just not sure if I see it being taken. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Okay, well, that makes that one easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> next one is Prized Kill. A one glory surge score this immediately after a friendly hunter's attack action that takes an enemy leader out of action. Huh. Yeah, this is, uh, it's not great. <laughs> Just a little bit too situational. Yeah. I think we've talked about like this and savage exemplar in the past where mm-hmm. the challenge is. So number one, enemy leaders tend to be like very well protected and they happen to be, you know, given a lot of upgrades yeah, and then on top of that, you have to you have to have the card in your hand. Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of the biggest thing with Underworlds is you don't want anything that limits you from making the optimal play, and trying to maybe hold it for a potential two glory because the kill and this uh, surge might convince you to make a suboptimal play, which could end up costing you the game. And I just I just don't like cards like these. Um, yeah. It's very Sorry. matchup dependent as well. Like some warbands, you know, will be more aggressive with their leader than others. And 
uh, you know, it's, I just don't think it's that reliable. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page there. Okay. Next one is Bristling with Weapons, One Glory, End Phase, Hybrid. Score this in an end phase if one or more friendly hunters each have three or more upgrades, or one or more friendly hunters each have two or more attack action upgrades. These are interesting, the ones that want you to have a lot of attack action upgrades. <laughs> You're just never going to score this card off that second condition. Yeah, I, I, I certainly don't ever want to have to do it, you know? Like, <laughs> two weapons on one fighter is kind of a waste, so. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that that's the second condition. Um, the first condition is okay. We already have this card, um, I believe. It's the... Yeah, we do. Yeah. Well, it's like a faction-specific card now a lot, I think. Yeah, I think we have a universal one too. I forget what it's called, but it's okay. Like, but uh, it's a little slow. Yeah. And want only I one think, glory. Yeah, I think actually the last. I think it was a uh, nightfall. It rotated out. Uh, but, uh, okay. Um, you know, like on the dark path, like for ravagers. You know, like it's like a it's a, on a scale of an A through D. It's a C, right? Like it's good. You need some support to make it work, but and it's reliable, I guess. But do we really need it? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I think I do think there's a lot of synergy with Ripa's though and loaded with plunder. Yeah, there could be. Yep. That's true. Um so next card is Punctured Pride, one glory surge hybrid. Score this immediately after an enemy fighter from a warband with the primacy counter is taken out of action or after damage dealt by a lethal hex or warband takes an enemy leader out of action. Yeah. Uh, I like this one a lot more than Prize Kill that we just talked about. Punctured Pride, yeah. Or Price Kill up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, what are your thoughts on it? Why do you like it? Um, for one, I think it's cool that it's kind of an anti-primacy card. Um, I guess it could also be a, a pro-primacy card in the way that if like you're playing a deck that's good at primacy and the enemy does happen to take it, then when you get it back, um, you know that's kind of a reward. Um, but I think it's cool that it's kind of, you know, you're fighting over the primacy and then there's bonuses if... Uh, you know, the other person has it. I just think it's a cool concept. Um, but also, the uh, killing the enemy leader, like basically it has, it's killing the enemy leader, but then it's, you know, it also has a much easier secondary condition of, of the primacy one. So it's better. I'm not sure how much we see it, but uh, it's definitely better than the other one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the challenge is like these cards are focusing on the leader and I get it, like, you have you are more of a primacy type individual if you eliminate the enemy leader, but I mean, I just again like <laughs> sometimes when you have the shot, take it. Doesn't matter what's in your deck. I agree. I think that this is just more useful on some of the larger aggressive war bands that know they're going to be losing fighters and giving the primacy up back and forth. Um, I think it could take some play if, if you wanted to play a more aggro um, kill surge sort of style but uh, right now with the speed package and other things it may not see the cut yeah yeah i i don't know if it does i don't know if it does um yeah go uh, next the one? next one is growing hunger it's a hybrid end phase score this in an end phase if each surviving friendly fighter has one or more hunger counters or each surviving uh that was each surviving friendly fighter i don't know if i said that has one or more hunger counters or each surviving enemy fighters has one or more hunger counters so everybody on one team has to have it, basically. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know if there's enough hunger support in the game to give this a fair rating today. 
Um, I know that we got a bunch in yeah. this set, but I just don't know if it's cohesive enough to make a strategy out of. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, you could do it. Like, there is Energy Drain. There is, um, uh, you know, Hungry Advance, things like that. But, uh, you know, the easier, the more hunger stuff that shows up, the easier this will be. It's only one glory, so it'll never be more than, you know, a little bit of a reliable f- uh, filler. But uh, something to keep your eye on, I guess, if, if hunger ever becomes good. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think this is a TBD. Like, yeah, yeah. love to see how this pans out in the future. But today, I just I don't know if it's worth spending too much time on it. Yeah, I agree. Um, next one is Clean Kills. Yeah. Two Glory Duel. Score this in the end phase if enemy fighters with the combined wounds characteristics like six or more are out of action and no enemy fighter has one or more wound counters. Oh, boy. <laughs> it seems pretty restrictive. Hmm. I think it. I think it does, um, but I think it's pr- also pretty good. Um, I think I would. I think I would take this in a lot of decks. You think so? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, usually when you try to kill a fighter, you try to kill them until they're dead. Um, so basically, you just need to be careful that you're not wounding uh, fighters too much. And I guess if they if this becomes very popular, people may try to like wound their own fighters. But I'm not really sure how often we're going to see that. So I, I think you'll be able to score this a lot of the time. And two glory is really good right now. Yeah. I think I'm going to be a little bit more critical on this card. Um, okay. Like a two glory end phase objective for aggro is always welcome, right? Yeah. The challenge is you have to ensure at least three enemy fighters. And if you're assuming they're two wounds apiece are out of action without any other enemy taking a wound. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like, yeah, you're right. Like generally you just try to kill a fighter and then that's it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, think about it like, you know, you play against Crushes or Hrothgorn, which are popular right now, or four wound fighters, you know, like, yeah. and and there's heal in the game right now too. Like you can, you can really, I think a, a smart opponent, a canny opponent can play around this. I think, but with the way you mentioned by running a friendly fighter through a lethal hex, yeah. but also I just feel like this feels inefficient, right? Um, hmm. you can take ping damage to maybe like finish off fighters, but I just feel like this limits, there's too many variables that you have to consider and like limit for you to score this reliably. And I do think it's matchup dependent. So I don't think it's bad, Yeah, but I don't think it's that good of a card either. I think it's a very middle of the road card that you can plan for. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe that just means it's balanced, you know. Um, <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I would definitely take it, and it would limit what I'm doing a little bit, but I think it might be worth the payoff. And then you're right, a smart opponent could try to play around it. So, But by doing that, they they also make themselves a little easier to kill. So um, I don't know. And then in a Hrothgorn situation, that means if you kill Hrothgorn, that's four glory. It's two for killing him and two for this, you know. Unless the Noblars are wounded, I guess, and then... You know, you just have to clear them out or whatever. But then, yeah, it's also you know an, an end phase, and it doesn't say it has to happen at any particular time. So, I, I think it's I think it's reasonably scorable. I guess we'll see if uh, there are better versions of it or um, it's competing with other other cards. But I feel like for two glory, it's just kind of worth putting it in there and trying to make it work. Yeah, you you might be right. I think I think this is a toss up for for us over here. Maybe let us know what you think in the Discord. But yeah, um, I'm I'm not as sold on it as you are. I think. 
I, I like it when we disagree on cards because that usually means that uh, there's something to learn one way or the other. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, we'll go to the next one. Uh, see if we disagree on this one. Bold Deeds for two glory. Hybrid duel. Score this in an end phase if there are two or more enemy fighters out of action and each surviving friendly fighter is in enemy territory. <laughs> oh, boy. I like this one. <laughs> yeah. I like this one a lot. I mean, I think... It goes great, great without afraid. It's great with unafraid. It's great for aggro. It's, it's uh, you know, charge everyone up and take opponents down along the way. I mean, sign me up, dude. Like, yeah. this is solid. My one concern is that, like, sometimes even though you're playing an aggr- aggressive deck, you could t- you could match up into an aggressive deck and they mm-hmm. might be the beatdown. <laughs> so be careful. When both people uh, are trying to score this card, it's going to be pretty funny. Yeah. But I also think that there's always going to be an optimal way to play. And one person is always going to be the beatdown, and recognizing that early can maybe win you that game. So you might have to give up two glory for it. But, um, yeah, maybe. You know, this is something to consider. I mean, obviously, great for Wild Hunt, great for Godsworn, amazing for Rippas. I mean, there's so much synergy with Rippas already being in enemy territory. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's interesting because it's going to make them play a little bit more aggressively, too. Where, you know, a lot of the time with Rippas, you'll power up and then send somebody in and score a bunch of stuff. And, but you might not send all three of them in. Now, you know, if you have this in the first turn, it's going to sort of determine the way you play. So, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Very, I feel like it can be very, very powerful in a situation where that's what you want to do anyway. Like a Magor's aggro deck or something. Like, yeah, they're going to want to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, like, the ideal scenario is, like, you running into a control or objective deck. Yeah, yeah. It is. But, you know, it's also not good for the warbands that want some fighters to hold back and other fighters to go in. Like, this isn't a Hrothgorn or Molog card. Um, it's just sort of an all-in uh, sort of... I guess that's why it's called Bold Deeds. Yeah. So, it's cool. It's interesting day. to see how it uh, affects the meta. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm more so... I like this one better than uh, than the other one, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so those are the uh, ob- uh, objectives. Do you have a favorite? Hmm. Um, you know, it might be clean kills. Um, if, or, yeah, yeah. I think I like that one. I okay. think I like that one. I'm going to let my bias uh, a little bit here. <laughs> okay. um, I'm a big Curse Breaker fan. Yeah. Um, I like some of the magic upgrades in there, or the objectives at least. So I think for me, uh, it's probably a toss-up between Martial Mage and Hunger for Power, but... Yeah. Because I like playing aggressively. I think Martial Mage does it for me. Yeah, I think it's a cool concept. So, I like yeah. it. Um, I dig it. Okay, well, let's go to the uh, Gambits. Okay, first card. Mm-hmm. Abysoth's Smothering. <laughs> He's back, baby. Yeah, you've been unmade and you've been withered, but now it's time for a Smothering. That's right. That's right. I really hope we see him in the game one day. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. Seems like he's a legend, um, or at least he just, or maybe he just leaves his spells everywhere. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> Gambit spell, one focus. And the next activation, each dice characteristic is one, and each defense characteristic is one. Oh. What do you think? This is a weird one. Um, I don't think that I would play it, but it could situationally be pretty good. So I think this is a really fun piece of tech. I don't know if it'll make your deck every time, but I definitely plan on trying it. And let me give you an example. Sure. You see that Briar Queen in your territory? 
with three defense and a reroll and on guard. Yeah. Destroying your warband. <laughs> sure. Do you want to do you want to even the odds? <laughs> it's just a commercial for <laughs> Amazon Smothering. Cast this beautiful spell. Maybe throw in some accuracy. And you've just countered your opponent's defensive investment. And I think that's really cool. It's not game breaking. Yeah. But I love how this can throw a wrench in your enemy's plans. I really, I really do. It's also really good when like Mala gets to like six dice re-rolling and now it's just maybe one dice re-rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I think I think this counters substance siphon. Hmm. So I wonder if this is a mod this is probably a modification. Because what it says is this fighter's defense characteristic is dodge X, where X is the round number. And then this spell says each defense characteristic is one. Yeah, I think that means that it's set But it also says this cannot be moved. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so I Substance Siphon is the counter to this. Restrict it. <laughs> Restrict it. Yeah, I think, I think rereading it out loud, I think it does not counter Substance Siphon. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> because I've seen way too many two dodging fighters jump up to three or go on guard and it's a nightmare yeah no it definitely is um i mean the, the, I, I guess the the issue is then you're also at one dice so i guess if you're hitting on smash then that's that's good but think about it you you play this and then you play like a victimize so technically you have one plus one so you're two into one huh yeah i believe that is how it would work yeah because you you set it to one and then you add that's onto right it. yeah although I don't know if their upgrades also add to it. Uh, I think they do. They do, but I'll we'll have to look still, at it again. Oh. No, it it does. It does. Yeah. So if you if you have like plus one defense, like the uh, formidable defense, yeah. right? You know, then you would go down to one, and then you'd go up one, so you'd be two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it's a fun card, and uh, I think I think it's a lot of fun, and I'm gonna have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. The next one is also a spell. It is Predatory Form. Uh, Gambit spell goes off on a focus. If cast, this fighter is a hunter, and this fighter's attack actions have Ensnare. This spell persists until the end of the round or until this fighter is taken out of action. What do you think about that? Right, so it's a relatively easy spell to cast. Uh, Opens up the hunger keyword for you, gives you Ensnare. Um, Ultimately, I'm not sure if this is worth taking outside of Curse Breakers. Um, yeah. Like, I, I would never try to cast this with a level one wizard because the focus is just so random. Yeah, it's 50, not that 50. easy, unfortunately. Yeah. So, even then... So, so first of all, I think we've identified it's only really good if you're a level two. Um, because you can get redundancy in magic with Curse Breakers, you probably want to take this in Curse Breakers. Um, but even then you might just lean, I, I don't know if this is a good enough spell. Like, I, like some of the other spells I see are like, there's a distraction, there's like a blind hunger, burn a card. Like, yeah, those I think are more interesting and probably more useful than predatory form. I agree. And snare is only situationally useful too. So it's like a, you know, too high a chance of not working. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got a pretty fun, decent spell. And then like a, <laughs> A not too not too good spell. Yeah, yeah. So far, um, next card. This is a good one. Uh, Living land. Yeah. Pick one. Flip an objective token that has the same number as the round number, or 
Move one objective token in friendly territory, one hex. Yeah, I think this is a good one. Yeah, I think this is probably the strongest card we've seen today thus far. I think we'll see a lot of this one where we've been seeing Restless Prize, um, because it sort of works like that. Yeah. And then the flipping, it's a good, you know, we have another flip card, which... Side note, there's a lot of flipping right now. <laughs> feed the beast grave, baby. Yeah, if you want to feed the beast grave, you can feed the beast grave. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can. Um, one thing to note is that this only works on the round number, so the only objectives that are in question are one through three. Yeah, that's that's a good good point. Um, yeah, so it's better, you know, it's situationally better. And if, you, if you've been flipping, then um, you have to keep that in mind, so you wouldn't want to flip... If you haven't seen this card yet, you wouldn't want to flip, you know, two or three. It's certainly not two and three, or it ends up being kind of useless. But I feel like it's always good to be able to move an objective one hex. Yeah. So I mean I think that makes it playable. Yeah. No, well this is I think it's a great card. I think I think so this is like definitely a poor man's restless prize, right? But right. it's just by saying that it means it's a great card. Um Yeah. Absolutely. I see this going into a lot of decks. Um whether it's to, you know, if, if if flipping if this if this because this this card gives you options right so you can help yourself out or maybe you can move an objective away from an opponent who's trying to score you know treasure hunters in your in your field or supremacy right so there's there's a positive to scoring and also denying scoring but then also you know people might take this card to flip against objective warbands but objective warbands are going to take this card also because it helps them move objectives and they can unflip cards so right and it's I great it's, as a yeah, you're right that it's great as an anti-objective card. Because if they're holding that one, then you'll just flip it in the last activation. Agreed. I think this is going to function very similarly to Restless Prize, and whoever plays it second is going to benefit from it the most. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If you use it at to least move, in the flipping aspect. Yeah. If you lose, if you use it to move it on to somebody, and then they flip it. Yeah. 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 We'll have to think about those round numbers on the on the tokens a little bit more, which will be interesting. But but that's why I like it. It's just not it's not a straightforward strong card. Like there is some thought to it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's what Brussels Prize should have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think if if you're looking at our usual path to glory scale, like I think this is an A for sure. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next one is Outrun Death. Choose one fighter. That fighter is a quarry. If that fighter is a quarry. That fighter has plus two move. This effect persists until the end of the round or until that fighter is taken out of action. So this is uh, definitely better than Malk and Grace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're not a hunter and you just couldn't rely on tracking, but you wanted another plus two move in addition to Spectral Wings, this is yeah. This is the way that you outrun death. And if somehow you are able to move again, then you can you know you just keep using it, which is That's interesting. Right. Yeah, I think I think this is just effectively this is a, another copy of Spectral Wings. It's a great card. Spectral yeah. Wings is one of the best cards in the game. Yeah. You're gonna want it. You're gonna take it. Agreed. Most of the time. Uh, next card, Compelling Hunger. Um, choose one fighter with one or more hunger counters. Push that fighter one hex and give that fighter one hunger counter. Yeah. So I don't like this one that much. No. Um. It's just just too situational to, to already have a hunger counter on you before you can use it. So, um, unless we see them being easier to apply or seeing them just start being everywhere, then um, it's not that great. But if if that does happen, then it is pretty good. So, 
Just yeah, I think with I, all this hunger stuff, we just have to have an asterisk, and we'll just maybe, maybe what we'll do towards the end of the season is have a hunger episode. <laughs> we'll just come back yeah. to all of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I've already um, started working on the the blog version of this. Oh, okay, right? great. And and like one of the stuff is I wrote was like at the bottom is we're gonna do a, a hunger article or maybe podcast in this case might be better format for it, but I think it would be nice to revisit all the hunger stuff because. It's we're not doing them justice right now, and any card that's released from now or previously, it's just not going to be relevant until probably um, the end of the season, if not when. Right, right. And the, and the cool thing about the way rotation works in this game is that you know if it is you know fully functioning by the end of the season, then we'll have all of next season to you know really see its impact. So, yeah, sate that hunger, baby. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, we'll just go to the next one then. Choose one fighter. Heal one that fighter. Uh, this is delicious morsel. Uh, if that fighter has any hunger counters, heal two instead uh, and remove two of that fighter's hunger counters. Or one hunger counter if the fighter only has one hunger counter. So that's another heal. Um, it's a little bit uh, more reasonable than Ferocious Resistance. <laughs> but uh, still decent if you have hunger. Yeah. I mean, heal tech is fun, right? It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that it caps out at two heal. So that's Yeah. Cool. I have a feeling the Crimson Court are going to love this one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But uh, for now, I think the same thought process applies. <laughs> yeah. TBD. All right. Next card, Lost in Reflection. This one's pretty good. Choose one enemy fighter <laughs> from a warband whose player has the primacy token, or pick an opponent. That opponent chooses one fighter from their warband. The chosen fighter cannot be activated in the next activation. Yeah. This is a good one. <laughs> it's very, very strong against primacy. I mean, basically, you just don't play it unless the other player has primacy. Agreed. Interestingly, as soon as you take this in your deck, that means primacy is in the game. So mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of an anti-primacy situation. But I don't know about you. In my games recently, you know, usually people will have primacy, and then it does kind of cycle back and forth um, reasonably often. Um, even in my games with Grimwatch and stuff, like, you know, we were fighting over it. So, um, I, I think we'll see a good amount of this. It, it's kind of goes with, uh, some of the other cards we've been talking about recently, um, with, uh, energy drain and, uh, you know, the barb, the net, barb net sort of stuff where you just stall out your opponent. Um, so I, th- I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think you're absolutely correct in that the optimal time to play this is when your opponent has the primacy token. Because if you let them choose, they can maybe just choose a fighter that's already moved or charged, right? There's no limitation on that. Right. Um, and it's only the I one activation that they're, you know, locked up, so. That's right. That's right. And the thing is, is that um, while this can be crippling for smaller warbands, like if, you know, your opponent has three fighters, like yeah. maybe crushes. Right. I mean, just forcing a lockup still is pretty neat. Um, but... I agree again that you wait for the primacy token. My concern is waiting for the for waiting for your opponent to game the primacy token might slow down this card's use and efficiency. Um, yeah, of course you can take tech to ensure they gain the token, but I'm not really sure <laughs> if that's efficient either. I think the best way to play this card, which I think it's a very good card regardless, is you're going to play a deck that knows it's going to give up primacy a lot, mm-hmm. and so you're already taking cards like Underdog, for example, that give you benefits. And then you slap this in there, you know, score some glory, shut down some fighters, hold objectives, or whatever you're doing to to, to win the day. 
Yeah, and it's just going to be a little bit of a meta call. The better Molog and Rothkorn are, the better this gets, uh, and so on, you know? Yeah. And I also think that the best timing for this is, like, going, you know, going into their fourth round. Like, you yeah. can lock one of their fighters before they make, like, a... You know, a lot of people will wait, you know, for, like, a charge scathe until the fourth, you know, fourth round or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then you can just say, nope, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and that would that be a big deal. that ruins their game plan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll go to the next one. It is Starvation Snare. It's a ploy. It's a trap. Reaction. Play this after an enemy fighter's move action. Pick one. Give that enemy fighter three hunger counters or remove up to three of that fighter's hunger counters. Yeah. Smack three hunger on a fighter or take it away. Nice tech, I think, for both hunger and anti-hunger strategies. But again, <laughs> we don't have enough information to give this a fair rating. Yeah. Yeah, let's go to the next one then. The trap is sprung. This would make Admiral Akbar proud. <laughs> um, Star Wars reference for those who didn't get it. But reaction. Play this after you play a trap gambit. Pick one. Choose one friendly fighter adjacent to one or more enemy fighters and give the chosen fighter one guard token or choose one friendly fighter that is not within two hexes of an enemy fighter and push the chosen fighter up to two hexes. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, I guess it just depends how many traps there are. I guess we have Slick Rock and Starvation Snare we just talked about. And uh, what's the other one that gives somebody a minus one defense? I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that maybe if there's like four or five traps that are worth playing, this is worth taking. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my general consensus is the same. Yeah. You know, if you're running a bunch of traps, sure, get some extra mileage out of it. Um, it's just probably not worth a ploy slot. No, it's not. Let's go to the next one. It's Pride Before a Fall. It's a ploy. Reaction. Play this during a friendly fighter's attack action after the drive back step if the target's player has the primacy token. Deal one damage to the target. Uh, that is pretty strong. Uh, yeah. I mean, so if you're looking at, like, so if you're tired of all these primacy guys running around <laughs> and you want to, like, get back at them, you know, this is this another commercial. Nice. Are you tired no. of all these privacy guys running around? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, 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 it's not, right? I, I think that's funny, though. It's functionally a snare, right? Which is a great card. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I think, again, this is one of my concerns with these primacy-based cards, is it's hard to ensure you have this card in your hand and your opponent has the primacy token and you're in a situation where you can use it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's just a lot of variables again. I mean, there are going to be games where like it all lines up and it's going to be great, but I promise you there are going to be games where you're like, ugh, I can't use this. <laughs> Unless you're playing like Gits or something. And then I think you could probably count on like this being pretty available. Sure. I mean, but like, yeah, I mean, but like most objective-based warbands, I guess aside from Gits, you're absolutely correct, have like beefy fighters who can fight for primacy. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting tool to have. Um, doesn't scream overpower to me, but I don't know. I might try it out in Grimwatch and be able to take like, you know, some more ping damage and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it might be a good card for the you know the Starblood Stalkers set to come out. And I feel like know. anybody that takes Underdog, like then you don't really want the Primacy. So this is a nice exactly. way to still get a kill without taking the Primacy back either. 
Yeah, if you're focusing on like an anti-primacy strategy or it's like prevalent in your meta, but you don't want to like yeah. play into it, then yeah, loss and reflection, pride before fall, underdog could all be cool ways to, you know, punish them for it. But yeah, yeah I'm just not really sure if, if this is going to be like the, <laughs> the card that I want it to be, unfortunately. Like I want to like yeah. this a lot more because I love Pit Trap Trap Snare, but <laughs> I don't know if this is, if this is going to be good enough i think initially but well i mean the cool thing about these is that if you take underdog and all this stuff then the enemy has to play primacy so then it's kind of up to you to lose your fighters <laughs> and give them the primacy token so i don't know It'll yeah be and i think when you're yeah obviously when you're playing a larger warband you expect to lose you know two or three fighters at least but um yeah you know who knows we'll see um but that's all 10 gambits you got a favorite hmm my favorite gambit um probably living land that's probably a an easy uh easy choice yeah um i want to say loss and reflection because i just love zoning out yeah or like hard controlling or cc'ing right like <laughs> other fighters um but i just gotta go with my boy abasoth <laughs> the smothering yeah it's just it's just really a fun card and i can't wait to just do fun stuff with it i mean it, it it's probably useless but I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a way in which it can be good. Um, but I think obviously living land outrun death and loss and refraction are probably the top three cards in this, in this section. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably right. Well, go ahead with okay. the upgrades then. That's right. Uh, number one upgrade is savage visage. Oh <sighs> man. I already know who this is going to be good for. <laughs> <laughs> this fighter is a hunter you can re-roll one dice in this fighter's attack rolls for range one attack actions for each of this fighter's upgrades that have one or more instances of the hunter keyword yeah if only you could see my face right now <laughs> it it is uh it is strong i like that it does require um you know a little bit like it doesn't do anything by itself really unless wait oh no it does doesn't it it counts for itself. It does. It counts for itself. So it's just is, awakened weapon. So it's amazing. Yeah. But it's yeah, range it's, one. It, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yes, it's range one. Sure. But I mean, there are a lot of great range one fighters in this game. Yeah. And then on top of that, um, you know, you, you, you like Hunter's Talisman. Uh-huh. Okay. Who uses that card a lot? Hrothgorn, Ripa, Grisowell, Scathe. I mean. <laughs> I don't even think Hrothgorn needs this card. <laughs> well true but i mean you know i'm sure eventually hopefully one day hunter's talisman gets restricted and then yeah. this is this is just boom right back in it and then <laughs> you know like savage speed and savage strength are so relevant right now like you can easily see this like three smash attack re-rolling all three dice like it's hmm. maybe stupid. i don't know i don't think i take that many hunter cards on rothgorn right now so that's interesting um i wouldn't want to take the savage ones because his defense dice can be important but um, oh, I'm not talking about Hrothgorn. Like, imagine oh. you throw this on, like, Riptooth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, You give him it's savage speed, you give him savage strength, you give him savage visage, you give him, you know, whatever, Hunter's Talisman, and he's rolling three dice with four rerolls. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. I do like that a lot of the Hunter cards, you know, to either take your defense dice away or uh, something like that. But uh, but no, this is this card is really good. I, I initially missed that it also made you a Hunter. So basically it just works. But it's, so it's great on Crushes. Um, it's great on, I mean, it's great on my gores. Like it's, it's just good. It's just a good card. So 
we're going to see a lot of it. I love that it's range one only. Um, that kind of that does help mitigate it. It's uh, more problematic um, balance issues, I think. Um, and you know, even if it is going to be something that gives multiple rerolls, I like that it takes some investment, and you kind of have to build for it. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm tentatively a fan of this over like a universal strength of terror or uh, hunter's visage or something like that. I, I like it more than I like those. So. Yeah, I mean, this is still like a this is an A card, man. Oh, yeah. This is this is like this is an A A tier card. I just at, don't know if it needs to be if it would ever need to be restricted. If some of those are, like it wouldn't be first on my list compared to some of those other ones we mentioned. I mean, as we mentioned though, this is effectively awakened weapon. Yeah, yeah without great. any other upgrade support, an awakened weapon was restricted. True, but Awakened Weapon really shines on the range 2 plus fighters. Um, a lot of the time, this will end up being uh, one reroll per round, um, which I like. I mean, unless you got scything attacks. That's true. Scape is going to like here, this. Yep. Yeah, he, he's going to love it. <laughs> um, but that's fine with me. Like I, I like that kind of stuff, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, until he just kills four of your fighters. Shh, it'll be all right. Okay, all right. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Sure. It is the Hungering Harpoon. <laughs> this, this card makes me want to uh, make a hunger deck. So range three, it's a weapon upgrade. Uh, range three, one fury, two damage. When you give this, uh, when you give a fighter this upgrade, give that fighter one hunger counter plus two attack dice if this fighter has three or more hunger counters. So if you can get three hunger counters, you are hitting at three fury, two damage, range three. So that's pretty cool. It is. <laughs> it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're a fan of stacking hunter ca- hunger counters without much end phase support, then sure, go for it. Right. Um, I think this is this is a very very fairly accurate attack upgrade. I mean, it's solid. You know, like this is profiteer levels of strong, but yeah. Um, there's no reason to build for hunger yet. I think. Right. 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 Yeah. We'll see, though. I mean, this is this is a cool thing to have around. I mean, there's a lot of warbands, so this could get real scary real quick. So, it's cool. Yeah. We can go to the next one. Yeah. So, this one's called Eagle Eye. Might sound familiar. <laughs> um, the eagle-eyed player equips Eagle Eye with the card Eagle Eye. <laughs> you know. Sure. Little tongue twister for you there. Uh, it's an upgrade, obviously. This fighter is a hunter. You can reroll one attack dice in this fighter's attack rolls for range three plus attack actions. Hello, Archer's Focus. Yeah, we've seen this card sort of before, and now it also makes you a hunter. So if you put this one on Hrothgorn and you put the Savage Visage on Hrothgorn, he's rerolling two in his melee and one in his ranged. Yeah. Now we're cooking. <laughs> there you go. Some synergies already. Yeah, yeah. Turn zero synergies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a great card. It's great for any fighter with a ranged warband. I mean, Stormsire... Thundrix, Hrothgorn, yeah, Farstriders. Um, yeah, I dig it. I, I'm not actually sure I would take it on Hrothgorn because his range attack isn't usually what you want. But and there's other ways to just get rerolls. But I'm glad that this card exists um, because I feel like uh, like we could use some range three support. You know, it's hard to boost the damage and stuff, so it can be nice to get the accuracy up. Yeah, imagine sticking this on the dude in the Arena Mortis game. <laughs> <laughs> I know we bring him up a lot, but this is insane. <laughs> Old Storm Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, this is cool because, like, it, it only, like, much like Archer's Focus, it, it only does, it only works for range three. So I, I like that. 
I mean, if you if you like uh if you like fulminates or you like <laughs> pew pews, this yeah. this is your card. Yeah, I do. It's also actually good for Lumineth if you think about it. It helps with the reroll from Yari, yeah. or for uh, Sanella. It's true. So it can help uh, inspire your fighters or or make them more accurate. Yep. Um, let's see. The next one is Proud Runner, an upgrade plus one move. And then each time this fighter makes a move action, five or more hexes from when the move action began and gain the primacy token at the end of the action phase. If this fighter has no move or charge tokens, discard the primacy token. This is interesting. <clears throat> yeah, so plus one move by itself isn't anything to write home about. Um, and I think you have to equip this to a fighter with at least four move. Because you have to move five or more hexes away. What I do find interesting is in the fact that an equipped fighter can gain the primacy token by just simply moving. Yeah. Um, That's a neat way to mess with your opponent's primacy synergies. Um, You can guarantee it. And um, if you time it right, you could probably get that spent glory off it too. Um, Right. I don't really think this card has a downside because if you've equipped this card, you're going to move or charge your fighter. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, the the way I see it, basically, this is an upgrade that automatically gives you the token, and if you want to spend your last activation to do it, you know. So, I don't know if I would use it otherwise, but yeah, I mean, it seems like a good way to get one glory, but um, I'm not sure if it's worth a slot or not. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's worth a slot either, but I actually like the idea of. I mean, th- this could go into a speed package deck. I mean, I think if you think about it, like... Yeah, there are some warbands this will work for, yeah. This is going to work for... I think for the warbands that it does work for, it's a good card. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you'd probably have to have five move already if you're going to take the full speed package. Um, but maybe you could just take two and have it work. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Skaven score this automatically. Or or right. can steal the privacy token automatically. Yeah, yeah, this would probably be a good, uh, a good third speed card for Skaven, so... Uh, yeah, we might see more of this. Um, go ahead and do the next one. Yeah, Keen Hunger. Reaction. Use this during this fighter's attack action. After the attack roll, remove one hunger counter from this fighter. If you do, you can re-roll one attack dice in that attack roll. Yeah. Um, so, this is really good if you have uh, some hunger stuff going on. But, we'll I'll just have to see, I guess. Not enough hunger synergy to give it a barrier. <laughs> Probably not. I'm not really sure what is enough hunger synergy. Like, I guess we could try it, you know, once these cards are all out and see if there's enough to make something functional. But the problem with all these cards is if you don't have the hunger, they're completely useless. So I feel like you'd have to have a lot of it. Or an automatic way to generate it. Yeah. yeah. Like a warband in the near future. Yeah, maybe. That we've all seen on videos on YouTube. <laughs> From official Games Workshop, Warhammer community sources. That's true. That's true. So basically, this is probably a vampire card. Um, yeah, all hunger cards, apparently. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, the, the next one is Hottie uh, Resistance, an upgrade. Reaction during an attack action that targets this fighter. After the deal damage step, gain the Primacy token. If you have the Primacy token, instead, discard the Primacy counter and reduce the damage dealt by one. So that's as, yeah. Go ahead. That's really good. Yeah, as if crushes needed more damage reduction. Um, <laughs> if you if you've got a tanky fire fighter 
It's a great alternative method to get the token. Uh, if you have the primacy token, spending it for damage is actually re damage reduction is is equally great because you can just get it right back. Yeah, it's really really good on t tough fighters that are going to be attacked. Um, you know, ferocious resistance obviously makes it so you don't really want to attack Molog and Hrothkorn. Um, if they have this, then that makes it more, even more annoying. And yeah, what's up with, with all these resistance cards, bros? <laughs> yeah, this is haughty resistance. This is this is like made for Hawthorne Mala crushes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, Void Sphere. Action. Discard all persisting gambits. Yeah. It's also a range three dice. Uh, range three, three fury damage, one attack on a critical hit. This attack has plus one damage. After making this attack action, discard this card. Hmm. No bueno. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a little weird. There's not really that many persisting cards, I think, that like are worth burning another card. Um, I think the most popular. Looking at, I am. I'm looking at um, Underworld's DB and Glorious Triumph, Malkin Gray's Hunting Season, Hope Sink. Channel of the Zenith, Power Reclaimed, Hunter's Aspect. Those are the most popular persist cards, and they're not. It's not worth. <laughs> it's not worth clearing out, really. It's not. Yeah. Like, I guess it's super meta dependent, right? And so you can make a nice meta call here. But if you're using it for the attack action, which I guess is a decent backup, like it's actually really not that decent if you think about it, because it's one. It's one use. Yeah. You're crit fishing. Yeah. And. It's not uh, awful. It's not awful, but like, yeah, I just wouldn't take it. Yeah, me neither. Um, the next one is Flight Before Food. It's an upgrade. Remove all hunger counters from this fighter. This fighter is a quarry. If this fighter is a quarry, plus one move, and this fighter cannot have hunger counters. <laughs> so it's a quarry, and you get plus one move, and then you don't get hunger anymore. Yeah. So as of now, yeah, no thanks. This is just this is just great speed. Yeah. I think we all know how relevant that card is. No need to talk about this. Right. Go ahead with uh, that. Yeah, I was trying to think if it was me or you. Uh, <laughs> Colossal Fist. Okay. Spell attack action. Range one. Focus. Damage two. Restricted. Wizard. Yeah. That's cool. I like I like the idea of this one anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so you're absolutely right, and the idea is good, right? So, let's. So, I guess I'm the resident wizard expert. So, <laughs> let's talk about wizards and magic. I mean, you're not going to put this on Amos. <laughs> no, right? And that's exactly my point. You know, first of all, not very many melee wizards in the game right now. Yeah. Um, you could stick this on a Stormsire or a Miari or a Zarshia, but that's just you. They're better off playing at their strengths, which is fighting at range. Yeah, um, the only reason really to take this is if you have a deck that has a lot of scoring off of spell attacks. And in that case, converting your attack to a spell you know, would be worth it, even if it was range 1. But if you have a range 2, 2 damage attack, there's literally no point. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, right? no, no, like, well, no, I guess I'm, I'm thinking for Curse Breakers, where then you'd want Amos to have that, or Rast to have it. It's just a super edge case. I mean, it's a one-focus attack. Yeah. It's not accurate. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> no, I mean, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, 
I would I'd I'd love to see like MS Erastus like you know form a giant magical power fist and punch someone's head off. But although this, I guess the other thing is that damage upgrades would work on this still. But I guess it would work true. on everything. Like you'd have to have a really really bad. Like, like does Zarshia have a I think a one damage staff attack? Hey, but it's, I think it's range too. Um, the the problem is that like if Arcane Savant was in this game, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, let's try to make this work, but it's not. Yeah. And um, if you're fur- and furthermore, if your fighter is a melee wizard, their melee attack is probably good enough to do the job. Yeah, I think you're right. It's interesting. It's a cool idea, but uh, super cool idea. Yeah. Um, but I just like I just don't see it. I guess I'll go to the next one then. This is a quite a mouthful here. Um, I'm actually genuinely impressed by how much they fit on this card. Yeah, yeah. So this is... I'm actually having trouble seeing it. Um, Labyrinth Boots. Yeah. When this fighter makes a move action, they do not move normally. Instead, make a sequence of the objectives on the battlefield from the lowest to the highest. This will normally be one, two, three, four, five. If this fighter is not in the same hex as an objective or is in the same hex as the last objective in the sequence, place them in the same hex as the first objective in the sequence. Otherwise, place them in the same hex as the next objective in the sequence. Um, I'm having trouble. If you cannot do this, this fighter cannot make a move action. Right, right. Um, Yeah, so... So this is actually very interesting, right? So essentially, you change the way your fighter makes a move action. Right. It's kind of like Fane way, but more complicated. Yeah. So the best way that I can explain it is by using an example. So let's say you have all five objectives face up on the board, right? Yeah. If you are already standing on an objective, or sorry, are not standing on an objective, (laughs) or you are standing on objective five because it's the last card in this the last number in the sequence right then you can be placed in any other objective um sorry sorry place them in the same hex as the first objective in the sequence so if you're if you're not in an objective or you're standing on five you can jump to one right otherwise place them in the same hex as the next objective in the next sequence so if you're not on if you're on an objective but it's not five (laughs) yeah let's say you're on one then you can jump to two. Right. If you're on three, you can jump to four. But where it gets tricky is if any of these objectives are flipped. So let's say, for example, two and th- four are flipped. Right. Then you would go, if you were on one, you'd jump to three. And if you're on three, you'd jump to five. Unless you're already on five, <laughs> then you can only go to one. Right. And if you're not on one at all, then you have to go to one. Correct. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, definitely... Uh, a more limited version of Faneway. Um, I guess it'll just a bit, it's just very situational. I mean, what what do you think about it? Yeah, so I, I think this card can do quite well in certain synergies. I think yeah. Ravagers and Desecrating certainly come to mind. Yeah, it's a good um, way it's just a, it's to a great way. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think Feed the Beast Grave, this could probably work. Because um, you can start like flipping some and then tactically jump to the last one you need or whatever. Um, I think if you have got a particular gameplay in mind, this could even be used to like helping you get onto like hold one and three or three and four or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. and face cards. 
because if you can if you can plan it correctly, this can be huge, right? Maybe. The challenge, the challenge I think is the downside is that there are no eligible locations for your fighter to be placed in. They're just straight chilling. Yeah, and that's that's that is the issue because if if you're not on an objective or you're on objective five, and somebody else is on one, you just can't do anything because you don't have the option to go to two or something if the if they're if it's blocked you still have to go to one um so it, it can be limiting for sure um so like i guess if you're going to play this card where objective one is is very important and i guess just this card existing and depending on how popular it is makes objective one that much more important um and you may want to block objective one or you know if somebody pushes you off of objective one then maybe they're setting something up um Otherwise, you have to already be on an objective and move from one objective to another objective. So, I don't know. We'll see if this makes a slot. Like, Fainway Crystal has gone in and out of play. Um, I think towards the end of it, before it cycled out, um, it was pretty popular. So, um, maybe this will sort of fill the void there. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if this is like... So, I really think like... So, I think this is great in Ravagers. You know, you can yeah, yeah. You can move slash charge onto an objective, then you're there, and then you make an attack action, you desecrate it, or you can hold it and despoil it or whatever, right? Um, right. But um, I definitely think this is like a C, I think, maybe. Like a, yeah. Like, I want it to be good, but it's just really complicated, and probably for good reason, because it's, I think, more balanced this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it too balanced to the point where we don't play it? Who knows, right? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I you know, I'm glad we did just reprint Bainway. So it'll be interesting. And uh, when it works, I think it'll be good. So. Yeah. So so that concludes our, our, our I guess, our review uh, for the upgrades. What do you, which one's your favorite? Hmm. Uh, probably Hungering Harpoon. Just cool. <laughs> Oh man, that's great. I just that's want that on somebody and then they're just they're just shooting everybody around them. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um I think I think Savage Visage is probably the best card. Yeah. We're going to we're going to see a fav- lot of Savage Visage. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think my favorite is Eagle Eye. Again, I'm sticking with that magic/range slash fighter theme here. Yeah. Um Hot Resistance is also another really good one. Yeah, that sh- that is so because we've busted. seen some anti primacy so far uh, today, but we've also this is a big boon for the primacy warbands. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think if we're gonna like, well, so let's talk about this, right? So, you know, we've gone over this whole set, you know, holistically. Like, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's worth, you know, purchasing? Do you think it's a good expansion? Do you think that there's enough hunger? Like, what's going on in your mind after you, like, look at all these cards? <laughs> um, I guess the cards that I think are going to make a difference, like a noticeable meta difference, uh, are probably the two big, uh, two glory end phase cards, clean kills and bold deeds. Um, I think they make uh, small or band aggro quite a bit better. Uh, I think I think crushes like both of these cards, most likely, because crushes tend to one-shot things. Um, so I think crushes are going to get a boost there. Um, Living Land, I think it's just going to be good for a lot of different people. Like, we're going to see a lot of that. And uh, then I think probably the Haughty Resistance is going to have a pretty big impact. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it just depends. I mean, it really just means that you're going to be able to make a certain fighter pretty much invincible, um, which is kind of a theme that we've seen already. So it'll be interesting to see if, how much it really is able to affect it because that's sort of already what's happening. Um, but it, uh, you know, it's it's also the kind of card that it's definitely not as good as Inert to Pain because they have to get the Primacy token first. So, you know, you get that first activation each round and then it doesn't, it doesn't work. So that is good. And you can also take the Primacy away maybe by killing something else. But, um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm glad, like, if, if Inert to Pain wasn't there and it was this card instead, they would, this would be a more balanced version of it. But we'll just have to see what, uh, you know, how good it ends up being. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of the the comments you made. Uh, except I don't know about clean kills again, but you know, you, <laughs> I I might be proven wrong. Um, holistically, I think the cards in the expansion are pretty good. Um, yeah, we're starting to see more powerful cards and synergies starting to form. Um, we're starting to see hunger gain more relevance. Um, I think you mentioned some of the additions to aggressive end phase scoring, which is definitely nice to see. Um, I think one of the biggest winners in this set are for magic based synergies. Um, Stormtire's yeah. Cursebreakers probably benefit the most, um, but other wizards, you know, can still make use of them if you want them to. Obviously, Savage Visage, and you know, we've got uh, Outrun Death. You know, so we've got some additional support for Hunter Quarry that's still going strong. Um, again, you know, going back to Hunger, it's starting to take shape. I think the building blocks are there, but I don't know if there's any structure behind the mechanic yet. Um, I really like the idea of, you know, doing a deep dive into hunger as more cards are released. So, you know, whether that's an article or uh, a podcast, I think that'd be really fun. Um, but uh, personally, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, you know, I'm going to bust out the curse breakers again, have some fun. <laughs> um, hunger for power is really cool. Living land is great. And I think savage visage, those are probably my top three for me personally in, in this expansion. Yeah. And I, I'm really excited. Yeah. I think you can make a pretty, uh, accurate curse breaker uh, build right now with I mean all the extra dice and stuff and the rerolls that this one added and then um, you know they have a couple good surges that were added too so yeah I can see that I wonder how I wonder if it'll push them into you know like strong viability or not but uh, I guess we'll have to see yeah I mean I definitely think they're one of those war bands that were always they're like kind of like good but not yeah top tier good and I think I don't know if this is going to give them enough tools to push them up into top tier I think you know, you're still very dependent on Stormsire becoming a magical turret. Right, right. Yeah. But it, it's fun. It's fun to think about. It's fun to work with. And, you know, Yara's Instant Shield is there. So, I mean, there's some good stuff, I think. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> um, any other thoughts regarding this expansion? I know this is a shorter episode, but the last episode we did was very long <laughs> when we merged the Universals and the uh, faction-specific cards. And then also because Warhammer Community is releasing the you know the, the cards and the sets on two different days we figured you know we can give you content faster that you can consume and then be ready for the next one so um you know starting out with these universals because we have an embargo date for the starblood stalkers which is 10 a.m uh london or uk time and then 4 a.m in central time 5 a.m eastern and 2 a.m pacific so unfortunately i'll be up at 4 a.m clicking post <laughs> Fun on a Saturday, which yeah. is like my worst thing to do, waking up early on a Saturday. I, I think you've been known to just stay up uh, till four, right? If I'm drinking. <laughs> oh, okay. 
I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've, Attack on Titan has consumed a lot of my uh, late weekend nights. That's so. only like four epi- or eight episodes, I guess. Yeah. No, it's it's. I'm I'm on like episode seventy two. Uh, no, I mean to stay up till four o'clock. It's like <laughs> no, no, they're actually only twenty minutes. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's a lot. So I just power through a bunch of them. But regardless, um, you know, uh, so no more thoughts. I, I guess. Um, I think that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to try some of these cards. Um, some of these might be pretty good for chosen axes, so people better watch out. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> Ooh. Ooh. Did you uh, did you have a bit of a prophetic pick there? <laughs> For, uh, I'm going to take some clean kills and uh, some bold deeds and uh, better watch out. And then I'm going to laugh when your rain, your movement too can't yeah, make I it to the other side of the board. I'll just take I mean, clean I don't know, kills. Dude, got, no, you got Outrun Death. You got Grimnar's Speed. Yeah. You've got Spectral Wings. Yeah. You you may be onto something. you got Savage Speed. Who knows? I'll, do the, I'll play some Speed Dwarves. Wow. That's a paradox. I know. Well, um, not wearing I, I guess armor. that's all. They, they, they could be a little faster. I think, I think personally, I think personally they should be <laughs> faster. They're naked dwarves. Like I get why the profiteers are slow. They've got a bunch of armor. Yeah, yeah. They've got guns that are heavy. They've got backpacks. But, um, you know, a, a, a Sigmarine has a full suit of armor on, you know, they only move three. I mean, but they're pretty much space Marines, right? Yeah, like they're like, they're like magically enhanced instead of genetically enhanced. Yeah. So. <laughs> They may not have like a third lung or whatever, but they can take a punishment and they can move pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think they. I think that those dwarves could run a little quicker. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if we want to start talking about movement speeds, like why? Why are Skaven faster than like Goblin riding wolves? They're just quick, I guess. But are you telling me that uh, what's his face? Yeah, they're they're lurking as quick Skaven. As a bat. <laughs> you, are you telling me lurking Skaven can outrun like? Like Ripa on a wolf, Snarlfang? Nah, <laughs> I don't know. Ripa had him. a Ripa had a big breakfast, so he's weighing his wolf down, I guess. I mean, well then let's use Minai. He's like the skinniest Fine. one, and he just got a wooden bow. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Um, well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, one thing that I did want to mention before Jonathan does the outro is, uh, first of all, thank you again to Games Workshop for giving us these preview copies, um, so that we can you know share some of our thoughts with you. Um, be on the lookout for additional coverage via this podcast and our blog, pathwaypodcast.com, um, as we review uh, the Starblood Stalkers due for pre-order this upcoming Saturday. Also, be sure to head down to your local Warhammer store or local gaming store to order yourself a set. And if you do prefer to shop online, check out the Warhammer uh, preview or pre-orders page on gamesworkshop.com. Um, and, you know, I really hope that you enjoy experimenting with these cards over the coming weeks. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to what people do in our Alliance League as well, which we'll be talking about as well in, in some coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, uh, I think we have the top four now, so very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can do a quick plug to them. Um, sure. Top four in order, uh, because, you know, that's important. We're going to start out with Team Bay Tomato. Yeah. Which is uh, our previous winners from the first inaugural season. Uh, this team is made up of Benny, Shuby, Matt from Set the Tempo, and Tommy Conboy. Fun fact, Tommy Conboy hasn't played a single game. <laughs> yeah, I think he's the... He, uh, he's the backup. backup. Yep. So, will he play in the final or the semifinal? Or will he just coast to victory? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, we've got Team Italy as well. Unfortunately, I don't know your real names, but you know, you know who you are. 
We've got Team Denmarking Your Territory in third place. Um, and uh, Team Amber Bone Pillow Fighters, which was a previous top four from last season as well. Yeah. Uh, this team is made up of Jimmy Molini, Nick Niccolo, or Nick Ramon, as you know him on Discord, and Gora, whose real name is Bartos. Bartos. He's going to kill me. <laughs> He's told me how to say it like four times. I, but I think it's Bartos. I think so. Gora. Okay. Yeah, Gora. <laughs> yeah, very cool to see two of the um, previous teams make it. Um, I'd say it's a harder playing field this time. But the, I think we had, uh, what, four more, maybe eight more teams, something like that. Four, six more teams. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... um. I mean, those those teams are pretty stacked. Um, there's some great players historically done really well in grand clashes. So, um, you know, when you get when you get them all in the room thinking on the same side, it can be quite uh, quite a powerful experience. I want to give a quick shout out to Team Denmarking Your Territory because they kind of came out uh, out of left field, I think, and yeah. they and they kind of killed it. So, shout out to them. Um, actually, um, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to the team members. Um, but they're Discord names. Yeah, I think I, I, we actually played against them, and they beat us. So, in, in my team, Psychopaths to Glory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got... Uh, yeah, you know, it, it happens. Um, Bueller Baby, or Buller Baby, Mads, formerly known as MBB, uh-huh. and Morton TH. Yeah, yeah. So Very cool to I see I guess we'll give a shout-out. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give a shout-out to Team Italy as well. Goro83, Darth Vanzer black fox dot it and astro bonnie mm-hmm. um, and i think they, I think they were really really close um the last season as well i think they were like fifth. yeah they ended up fifth they ended up fifth last season and uh they actually did really well i think they were in the top spot for the first two weeks and then bay tomato ended up overtaking them and it's really interesting because bay tomato um fought them in the fourth round uh. since they had the two best uh, they were both undefeated up to that point, and then Bay Tomato ended up winning, which put them in the first seed. But who knows? Team Italy could come back with a vengeance. Yeah, they certainly have so far. So, yeah, very cool. And, and I guess I'll just give some. Uh, I mean, you know, you guys <laughs> like you guys like hearing us, right? So we can just maybe talk a little bit more about um, some cool stats. Um, I think uh, looking going into round four, I thought it was really cool. That Molog's Mob uh, wasn't as popular as it started out being, hmm. with only 6.3% of people taking them in the fourth round. Uh, Lady Hero's Mournflight was solid at 8.3. The Grimwatch were 12.5. Ripa Snarlfang, Snarlfangs, who happened to be, I think, second most popular warband in this whole event, because they have great faction cards at a 14.6%. Yeah. Um, Man Trappers again at 14.6% as well. And then Morgox crushes with a staggering 22.9% <laughs> selection yeah. out of all the teams and, and warbands. Um, and then, you know, we kind of drop off with uh, Purifiers at 6. Dread Pageant, which I'm surprised, despite the fact that Purifiers perform better, the Dread Pageant are always more popular. Mm. Um, people like to punish themselves, I guess, very slanish. 10.4%. and then too, for sure. Yeah, I think they are for me as well. Um, but I think the purifiers have just done better. I think 
yeah. uh, competitively. I think. I think the interesting um, thing about this format is how important it is that uh, you have a lot of faction cards that are really strong. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. And and the Dread Pageant kind of do something similar to the way uh, Mournflight and Grimwatch yeah. kind of perform. Yeah, they do. So it's pretty neat. Whereas the Purifiers are probably probably more reliant on universals and we can do a whole we probably will do a whole episode on this in the future um but i thought that was pretty neat to see how the uh the warband selections have changed they were so varied going in the first season and then our first round and then as you get closer to the end of the the swiss event you could just see people start going for the really good stuff right or the stuff that's been doing well so yeah um, yeah we can we can probably do a full um, breakdown later yeah yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, and close this out before I, I start up a new topic? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, thanks for listening. That's it for this episode. Uh, if you're a patron supporter, thank you so much. And uh, if you'd like to be, you can follow us at patreon.com slash path to glory. You can find all of our blog content on pathtoglorypodcast.com. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at Path to Glory Podcast. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. As always, thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. Magic's back, baby! Do you miss having good magic? Do you not have enough (laughs) surges? (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is that, like, I've said magic's back, baby, a couple times now, and people are always like, is magic really back, though, Amon? And then I'm just like, no. But uh, buy these lizards you know. and their cards. <laughs> I mean, dude, if you're if 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 you got to buy this, I mean, they're gonna. I'm I prediction best selling warband of season four. I think they're gonna be real strong too. Yeah, I mean, the only warband that can give them competition aesthetically as of now are the Crimson Court, and then maybe, maybe from what we saw, we saw Mir Kanan today from Kanan's Reapers, which is that Ossiarc Bone Reaper warband that guy looks cool and i'm sure we'll see more about them on the saturday preview and and they've they just previewed the fish too so i'm excited about that it's fish it's wiggle fish actually (laughs) 